Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hurts, and today we have our DFS episode of the week. Going to be breaking down the DraftKings main slate on Sunday, cash tournament games alike. As always, I am joined by none other than PFF analyst, the prop prophet himself, Andrew Erickson. Andrew, how do you do, my friend? Doing good, man. Halloween's coming up. My favorite holiday. Going to get some candy in me. I cannot wait, but I'm looking forward to this slate. Again, there's less games on it, so it's kind of easier to go through the players. And I know that when I sent you over the, the show sheet, you're like, Andrew, like you need to limit your players. I'm like, dude, I just want to play all the guys. Like I'm just excited about a lot of different plays this week. And and that's the thing you remember, you know, if you're just, if you can't decide between two players, like who are you excited to play? It's like, do you really want to play Mike Davis? I know he, I know he pops in the projections sometimes, but it's like, come on, like do you really want to play him? It's like get excited about who you're playing. So, yeah, you sent me like eight cash game wide receivers. And at first I was like, what the fuck, man? But then I looked at it a little more after going through the slate myself. And I actually ended up having a big group as well. So I see where you're coming from. My apologies uh, for that. But Andrew, before we get going, you said you've been having a great day. And I really was too until I just got overtaken by... A particular something that a member of the national media, one of the main reporters in the NFL that is not named Adam Schefter said, appearing on Pat McAfee's show, none other than Mr. Ian Rapport stated, unless I'm literally crazy, Baker Mayfield is the future starting QB of the Cleveland Browns. Fine, whatever. Then Rapture continued. He's probably the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the NFL. Andrew, my problem with this isn't even necessarily like putting Baker in a top tier of quarterbacks. I think you maybe could squeeze him Top 12, that seems pretty tough. I think top 15, top 16, you're probably going to find a way to put him there. Maybe. Rap Sheet didn't say that, though. He didn't say he's a top 15 quarterback. He said 8th or ninth. Andrew, did he spend an hour last night ranking the quarterbacks and come away with this as a good idea? Like, I, I can't get this through my head, man. And it's been bothering me for the last hour and a half how you can go on here and say 8th or ninth. You thought this through? You really thought that what? We can name like probably 12 of them without a problem, Andrew. I just don't get this, man. Can you talk me through this? Because this is bothering me very much. Hey, man, at least he didn't tell people to drop Saquon Barkley in their fantasy <laughs> football leagues. I think I think that's the number one thing that he did not do. But I know that we talked before we got started here. You can rattle off 10 names before we, we come to Baker Mayfield. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Like there's nine that should leave absolutely no stones unturned. Like, how do you come to eighth or ninth here? Again, I get it. If you haven't had your coffee, you're just like, oh, he, he could be a top 10 quarterback at some point. Like, no, that's wrong, but that's also saying something off the cuff. This man came prepared, Andrew, and he settled on eighth or ninth. That's what I have a problem with. Maybe he's did it in a certain context of, you know, when he's looking like four to five years in the future and there's no Tom Brady and I mean, maybe Tom Brady's still playing. Who knows? Yeah, it, it's really tough to get behind that. I know like in the offseason, I had like a bold prediction that Baker Mayfield could be like a top five like fantasy quarterback. And that's why it was bold. Like it's because it was very little likelihood that it was actually going to happen. So for him to just kind of blatantly state, oh, yeah, eighth or ninth best quarterback and kind of like off the cuff seems just a little bit like a stretch that maybe he's in he's in Baker Mayfield's camp, like trying to get this guy uh, to a long term deal, because right now what he's put on the field this year dealing with the injuries, he is not deserving of a extension. So it looks like he's going to go into his fifth year. And so far, the quarterbacks that we've seen go into their fifth year, most most recently, James Winston. Marcus Mariota, like things did not pan out well for those folks. So yeah, better days, hopefully you're ahead for Baker, but right now it's not looking so good. 
And if you wanted to say Baker Mayfield was a top eight or nine quarterback from week seven to week 17 in the year 2020, you'd probably <laughs> be correct. But we're not doing that. Like Aaron Rodgers has ranks outside the top 10 quarterbacks this season and basically any passing metric you want to look at. PFF passing grade yards per attempt, QB rating, and just a completion rate. Like pick your favorite metric. He's probably not a top 10 quarterback. Can we really look anyone in the eye and say Aaron Rodgers is anything other than a top 10, top five quarterback in the league? Of course you can't. So just get that out of here with that mm, rap sheet pissing me off on this lovely Thursday afternoon. But Andrew, let's get back to the actual purpose of this show, which is to try to win these people some money playing the good old American pastime known as DFS. So kicking things off with the cash lineup for those that don't know, we're talking about head-to-heads 50-50 games. We are trying to basically beat one person or just finish in the top half of the field, not necessarily trying to do anything too crazy, too contrarian to gain a big edge in tournaments because we don't need to gain a big edge. We just need to set the floor as high as possible. So, Andrew, I know we've just been riding the Jalen Hurts train week after week and it hasn't let us down. And I'm not against doing that this week. I just guess my question for you, why go Jalen Hurts at 6900 when we can move up for the small price of $500 to get to Lamar Jackson? I mean, Jalen Hurts has yet to miss five. I mean, he has more quarterback one finishes this year than Lamar Jackson does. Did, did Lamar Jackson finish as a, a quarterback one last week? He did okay, not. Okay, Andrew, he, but... He, <laughs> Take he your <laughs> smart-ass cap off for a second and continue. He did not. I mean, I don't know. I mean, J- Jalen Hurts is my banky. Like, like I need him in my cash games. I've been, I'm 0-3 in the, in the weeks that he, he doesn't play. So uh, I, I need Jalen Hurts in my cash lineups. I mean, the guy is just super safe floor. He is cheaper than Lamar Jackson, like you mentioned. But, I mean, the rushing equity, 50 rushing yards per game, is second to only Lamar Jackson. He scored at least 21 DraftKings fantasy points every game he's played this year. He's been a top-12 quarterback in every single game that he's played fully in his NFL career. Nine starts, nine top-12 quarterback finishes. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get if you have the salary to move up to Lamar. That, I think that does make sense. Lamar is the better real-life quarterback and still the better fantasy football quarterback, in my opinion. But on a week-to-week basis, you know, salary is is tight you know times are tough man like you don't always have an unlimited salary to move up five hundred dollars to get lamar jackson so i don't like to overthink it it's it's worked basically every single time we've talked about jalen hurts and i know that maybe you don't want to necessarily watch the game that hurts is playing in and just kind of like all right well he's got 21 fantasy points so that's all i need i'm good to go because we know that the way that he gets there sometimes isn't always the prettiest Lamar, $500 more. I have Lamar as my QB3, Hurts as my QB5. They're both very good options. I don't really see anywhere else you can go with cash this week. I think Derek Carr at 6K is the absolute cheapest you can go. And I mean, just the, if you can see my facial expression, maybe YouTubers out there can. Like, I'm not feeling particularly good about that. So it really isn't a cheap option you can, you know, uh, rest your hat on and all that this week. And I don't think you need to go all the way up to Kyler at 8,500, Mahomes at 8,400, when we can save, you know, like literally 1500 going down to Hertz or Lamar. So whichever way you want to go there with our two best like cheat code versions of Russian quarterbacks, particularly as long as Kyler continues to have this under the radar shoulder injury, I do think that makes the most sense to start off the cash lineup. We can't fade Derrick Henry at this point. The guy is getting 30 touches a week. There's just not another running back on this slate that we can really get behind with that. There's no McCaffrey. There's no Kamara because he's playing on Monday night. Aaron Jones is the second highest price back at 7,500. 7, Full, you know, nearly $2,000 difference between those two guys. So I think jamming in Henry is more than plausible this week. After that, Andrew, it's just hard to get off of Daryl Henderson in this smash spot. 17, I believe, point favorites at home against the Lions. Just put in Henderson. He's still too cheap relative to the role he has right now. 
Yeah, man, he's got a three-down workhorse role in this offense, so he should be at least 7K, 7.5K. I mean, he has a better role than Aaron Jones does. Like, yeah. I get, like, we love Aaron Jones for his dynamic ability, but he's still kind of in a timeshare with H.J. Dillon. Like, it's a fact, and that's why Aaron Jones hasn't really had these monster weeks. I mean, he's still a top-six running back overall this season because he had a massive game against the Lions earlier, but he's been pretty middling production the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's been super efficient, and he had, I think, averaged like seven yards per carry either last week or the week before because it's just how good he is but AJ Dillon is working in and taking away enough touches where you want to pay down and, and get Henderson who is the clear workhorse they don't use any other running back like he's basically taken on that Todd Gurley role I mean he's sixth in expected fantasy points per game this year third in expected fantasy points the last couple weeks it's it's just a role that you cannot beat and he's just going to keep going up in price I don't know why he's still priced down in the six 6 6.6 when he's seeing a role that deserves 7.5 or even 8K, like a McCaffrey, Dalvin. I mean, he's the closest thing to those guys right now. Like, I think you could rank Henderson number two this week, just among all running backs, period. I believe, friend of the show, and he's on here at fucking three times a week, Dre McFarlane <laughs> does have Henderson as his RB2 in this spot. So, yeah, I just think that 6,600 price tag, far too cheap. Not only can, like, the, we didn't bring up the Lions. Like, he has the best matchup imaginable, too. The role is what makes it so egregious to begin with. So, we got Lamar Hurts, Henry, Henderson. Are you filling that flex spot with another running back? I know we have Miles Sanders sitting there at 5,100, but I don't want Miles Sanders on this squad, Andrew. I get Jalen Hurts has enough rush attempts and fourth quarter goodness for him to maybe overcome this letdown spot in Vegas. With Miles Sanders, I know some of the usage is moving the right way. I know 5,100 is a bit of a slap in the face, but just straight up between Miles and Mike Davis and Miles and Devontae Booker, who only cost $400 more, I think I'd rank Miles behind at least Booker and probably behind Mike Davis too, the more I think about it. You re you really play those guys over Miles Sanders? What, like what? So we can get two carries from Miles Sanders again? Davis has at least 15 touches in every game this year and he has a better matchup. I don't, I don't think the matchup is bad. I think that the matchup is pretty solid. I mean, you look at the Raiders, they rank, they're tied with the Texans, 29th in the league in explosive rushes allowed this year. So, I mean, if Miles Sanders was playing the Texans run defense, we would be up in arms like, you got to play this guy. And according to at least a, looking at explosive rushes allowed, the Raiders are in the same boat as the Houston Texans. So I guess that's kind of my take on it. I think that the matchup is really good. You know, the last four weeks, they were allowed the six most rushing yards to running backs. And, and Miles Sanders, his usage has gone up. You know, he, he saw almost all of the touches in the running back backfield last week. 11 out of 12. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, much, but... 11! That's my point! Like, I know his usage is good relative to this Eagles backfield. Like, Kenneth Gamewell isn't an issue. But how are we only hitting 11 touches on 83% snap rate, man? I mean, I think that Miles Sanders can get more yards on 11 touches than Mike Davis can get on, like, 18. I mean, Miles Sanders is explosive. Like, that's what... I mean, I think there's a little bit of upside baked in with him that Booker and Mike Davis don't have from a yardage standpoint. I I'm think that he can break off bigger runs. I don't think Mike Davis needs to be in here in a cash game. That's not necessarily my argument. I'm saying, like, why is Miles the one we want to finish this out with? I think there's, like, maybe wide receivers we could have more fun with. Or get up to Devontae Booker, where we're definitely crushing that snap potential. And we actually have a home situation where maybe he builds some positive game script. Like, I just don't really see... I don't know why this is the week we're assuming Miles Sanders like gets back to being anything other than a freaking RB3. I guess that's the main point here. I, I think that the usage over the last two weeks is is good. Like If it had been more middling, it was more Kenneth Game over the last couple of weeks. I mean, it seems like they're going away from Kenneth Game. So at least I'm chasing that 
optimism that Sanders is getting more involved in the offense, that he will continue to be more involved against the Las Vegas Raiders, who I think is a, a good matchup. But so if there's another, I know we'll, we'll talk about wide receivers. So you're thinking about leaning more towards going four wide receivers in cash than doing the three running backs because it would either be like Sanders, Davis, or a Booker as that third guy, probably. I think I'm leaning towards getting up to Booker if I can and stacking him with the Giants defense special teams at just 2,500 because then we get that little correlation there with the running back in our defense. And, you know, Booker, I know he let people down last week, but his usage was honestly even better than we could have really anticipated. So if we do that, I mean, I guess we can stack Sanders in the, in the Eagles defense, but I just think the Raiders, like... They let us down two of the last three weeks, but we want to talk. If we want to just play off of like, what have you done for me lately storylines? I just think the Raiders are much better than the Eagles here. I could see this being another week where Sanders like eats into the, uh, you know, total rates and everything. But at the end of the day, we're looking at a guy getting eight to 10 touches. I don't know. It feels like a trap, Andrew. I need that gif saying, you know, it's a trap. That's what Miles Sanders <laughs> feels like to me this week. I see where, it, you know, hey, the guy has those 80-yard chunk runs in his potential range of outcomes. We just haven't seen it. Him and Chase Edmonds, it is ridiculous. It's like, I think Edmonds is at like 82 touches. Sanders is at like 78. They haven't scored a touchdown. You need to go all the way under 30 touches to find the next highest-used player that hasn't found the end zone this year. So he's due... But man, oh man, Andrew, like just saying he's doing cash is just where I guess I get scared. I'm trying to find the safest guy possible for this spot. And Miles Sanders is not the definition of safe. I guess that's all I'm saying. Like, what Fair about, uh, I guess, Michael, I, I agree with you. Michael Carter is a better tournament play. So Miles Sanders, if we think he's going to be, I guess the one point is if we think he's going to be chalky enough that it might not matter in cash, everyone else is rostering Miles Sanders, take that 5,100 and move on. Because I guess the uh, kryptonite to my argument here, Andrew, is that there really isn't anyone cheaper that I feel better about with Sanders. And if we go through this lineup a little more, those extra few hundred bucks could prove to be a little bit problematic. So Sanders, I do think getting up to Booker is preferred. But yeah, if you want to fill out that flex spot, those are probably the guys you're going to have to look at getting up to Henry. Henderson, Lamar Hurts, and elsewhere. Now, because we're taking some discounts at these positions, we can get up to Devontae Adams at 8,900. I went ahead and I looked at his performances uh, this over the past two years, actually, when he hasn't. Let me find the exact stat for you guys. It was basically just the bounce back trend from Devontae, and it has been massive. Okay, last 10 bounce back performances following a non-injury game where he failed to score a touchdown. Spoiler, he went over 100 yards and scored a touchdown in all but two of these games, or three of these games, the only ones that didn't qualify he had either 100 yards or a touchdown so Devonte, i know we got tyreek there but when tyreek is playing as banged up as he is i just think that the way that tyreek always splits the passing game with kelsey i just got to give Devonte the hat tip more weeks than not if it's at all close salary wise which it is in this case so andrew i think you're with me on Devonte. what are you feeling with these next two wide, wide receiver spots yeah i mean i think that yeah Devonte is just so He's so locked and loaded, especially because of the matchup is here. Like last last week, the matchup wasn't really that great. You know, the Bears, it was kind of like a slog matchup where you didn't really expect, they didn't need to do a lot. And I mean, he came close to catching touchdown last week anyway. Like he was close, but I mean, 34% target share, 34% target rate per route run, number one in the NFL in both categories. It's just, he he's just so involved in this offense and Aaron Rodgers could not get enough of Devontae Adams. So I could not agree more. Other receivers that I like in, in terms of like cash, I mean, I think Sterling Shepard is, is pretty locked and loaded towards 
you know, seeing volume. Like, uh, Kadarius Tony's not practicing. Kenny Galladay's not practicing. You know, we've seen Sterling Shepard basically get double-digit targets every single game he's played this year in a full. In full, And this trend goes back to every time he's played with Daniel Jones. Like, he's always seen double-digit target and so, and so much volume in this offense. So, Sterling Shepard seems like he's locked and loaded. And then, I, I mean, I kind of like I like Tyler Boyd. It's It sounds kind of gross because Tyler Boyd's just been not consistent whatsoever. He's not been getting a lot of targets in this offense. But... He's still running a lot of routes on the team. And this is a matchup that really favors the Cincinnati slot receiver. Like the Ravens have been kind of a slot funnel defense. They rank dead last in yards after the catch, 22nd in completions to targets up in the slot. So, and if you look at the wide receiver quarterback matchup chart, you know, Boyd has the best matchup. And this is something I've been kind of leaning along a little bit more when we have like these trios of receivers, like Whenever I have to rank like the Bucks receivers, I'm like, okay, like here we go. Like, all right, do I just rank them all one, two, three, like <laughs> back to back to back? Because it's, it's really tough to figure it out. So I try to lean on the wide receiver cornerback matchup chart or like target rate per route run to kind of just get an idea of a tiebreaker. And and Boyd does have the best matchup out of the slot, so I think Burrow could target him a little bit more. And we know we know Boyd's talented. Like he's not going to just continue to see like two or three targets every single week. So I think this could be a week where targets go back to him. If you have the extra money, I think that you could go up to Higgins at 4,900 a little bit more. But um, because T. Higgins does lead the team in targets the last two weeks since he came back. So I think that that's something that's kind of underrated. It just He just has not produced, turned that into production. So those are some of the receivers I'm looking at, like the 5K uh, to 4K range. Yeah, the big area where I think we need to save money is, and this is, I guess, another reason why I like Lamar Jackson. If we want to stack these guys, I do think the Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman uh, play makes a lot of sense together. Bateman, just 3400 Like, we have Sammy Watkins priced this week at 4500 and Bateman is playing the Sammy Watkins role. So, like, I haven't – I know, Andrew, like, you're much higher on Bateman, like, season-long, I think even Dynasty, than I am. But, hey, this is just more of a volume play here. Rashad Bateman is the number two wide receiver for Ravens offense, passing the ball more in a matchup where I agree with you. I do think the Bengals have a chance to have plenty of success themselves, make this more of a 60-minute game instead of 45 minutes in a blowout, like we've seen some of these past Ravens-Bengals games turn into. So, having Bateman there, like, we just – if we can get those five or six targets we had last week I think he can make the most of that and meet that 3400 spot yeah and there's just really a lot of wide receivers in that four five k range again this just comes back to my earlier apology about uh you listing a lot of these guys but Waddle 5.6 Godwin 5.9 Jacoby 5.3 Shepard um, I believe as you mentioned at 5.6 k you know you just got to try to find your path there even a Monroe St. Brown at 4.1 k I think is probably about the cheapest you can go aside from Bateman well there's now, also I would just admit, like, Dante Pettis, too. If the Giants don't have their... I mean, he saw 10 targets last week, and he's 3K. And they... If the Giants receivers are not back, like, that's a guy playing a full-time role in a, a game that has, like, a pretty decent total, high-paced. I don't... I think 3K is probably... I think Pettis is, like, the last guy you could go to, potentially, um, in cash. And I know Bateman's actually... In the roster ship projections, actually, Jared Evans, like, brought up to me, like, Bateman is, like, the fifth-highest projected guy. Like, people are all over Bateman, so I think it makes a lot of sense in cash. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's fine in cash. The only thing I would say with Pettis, we did have Darius Slayton practicing on Wednesday, and if he's going to be back at the table, that could throw off some of those splits we had last week. Always got to consider his injuries, but Andrew, that's why we talk every Friday night about the injuries and uh, like to sure everything up there. At tight end, our guy, 
Ricky Seals Jones, a little more expensive this week. I still think he's fine if you can get up to him at 3,700. But we have a new leader in the clubhouse for cheapest usable tight end. His name is Cole Komet. Season high, six targets, I believe, last week. Almost even clicked 50 yards. And now we're facing a Buccaneers team that offenses just literally throw the ball against more than any other team, even removing garbage time situations because everyone knows they cannot run the ball on this group. So we can't assume rational coach particularly from Mr. Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears. It does seem like a situation where Fields, for the first time in his career, could have a pass attempt number starting with a three. His full-time tight end should be able to get there. So Jimmy Graham still has a no-trade clause and still steals away some level of snaps. He only has one catch this year, though. Like, Komet is clearly their guy. I think I even saw, like, Jimmy Graham's a captain for this team. Like, I, I don't even – that whole situation blows my mind every time I think about it. So I think Komet at 3K makes sense. If you really want to get gross, truly gross, Ryan Griffin at 2,500 can actually be okay for you because Tyler Croft is dealing with a back injury, I believe, looking fairly unlikely to be out there in low key in that horrific London game that I hope you all slept in a couple weeks ago instead of watching. We saw Griffin post an elite 91% snap rate. He had two targets, one catch for four yards. Like when we talk, when we've talked about these low price tight ends, Andrew, we had James O'Shaughnessy in week two. We had Ricky Seals-Jones a few weeks later. They were guys that we felt more confident in could like actually make do with these targets. Like I do not blame anyone for wanting nothing to do with Ryan Griffin. I had to watch this guy play ahead of Chris Herndon for a long time. And I'm not even saying like he's a bad player, but he is like the epitome of if he if you throw him a pass in the end zone and there's no one covering him, okay, he'll get you a touchdown. Do not expect this guy to pull off anything over expectation in terms of what his target share ends up being. He still has a zero point floor is what I'm trying to say, despite having these fairly high snap rates, at least for last week. So, Andrew, are you leaning towards Komet this week? What's your overall thought here on cash game tight end? Yeah, I love Komet. He's the first guy that kind of popped out to me. He ranks really high in terms of routes run per dropback, ninth in the NFL. So he's running around on over 70% of Justin Fields' dropbacks. And that's like a marquee number. Like that's up with the stud tight end. So that's why I feel confident with Komet. Like I'm not concerned that he's just some guy off the street. Like we're just kind of throwing him like, oh, it's a good matchup. Like hopefully it works. But no, it is a good matchup. And he's getting the usage. And he's coming off a week where he saw some involvement so I think he makes a ton of sense and it's actually funny you mentioned Jimmy Graham you know I was re-watching that Bears game and Jimmy Graham ran a route you know on the touchdown catch by Darren Mooney and he runs into the end zone and the entire defense like goes to Jimmy Graham so Darren Mooney's just wide open in the end zone I'm like I guess like that's his role like he's just like the <laughs> end zone guy that teams like oh no he's in the game like he's gonna get the ball so yes we're gonna start Komet so Jimmy Graham will most definitely catch touchdown in this matchup unfortunately the only other tight end that is also also cheap that's actually cheaper than Komet at 2800 is Johnny Smith so he's really been playing behind Hunter Henry for the most part like actually two weeks ago he ran less routes than Akil Harry in a game uh, it was a it was six, not good six routes in a <laughs> full was, game it was very bad and the routes only jumped up a little bit last week it just the percentage looks a lot sig more significant because they didn't really throw that much last week but they did increase so his snaps went up last week and when he is on the field, like he's getting targeted. He has the highest target rate per route run of any tight end. Now, it's obviously a smaller sample size because he's not running that many routes, but the matchup is really good. The Jets are fourth in terms of fantasy points allowed to tight ends. We saw his routes run increase. So 
I think that, you know, 29% target rate per route run is really, really high. So he's not going to give you a zero because he does get targets when he's on the field. It's just, we don't necessarily know how often he's going to run routes, but he's 2,800. I still want to get commit at 3k, but for some reason, like you just cannot find that extra 200 or you're trying to get different. I think commit might be a little bit more popular, maybe in tournaments, Johnny Smith. I mean, he just has to catch a touchdown like, and he's playing the jets. So I I think that Smith is is a pretty decent option, especially because Henry might be more popular. All good points. I think on defense, you can get away with the Giants at 2,500, Jets at 2,400, Eagles at 2,300 are fine enough as well. Even Washington at 2,200. I know Washington's been terrible, but their pass rush is back. They're number two now in the league in pressure rate. And when you look beyond, you know, the kind of passing yards they're giving up and the touchdown, like they've given up, I believe, the highest passing touchdown rate in the league. That's a number we would just expect to come back to earth. And I believe they're a top five defense in like contested target percentage. So they face some really good quarterbacks. They're facing Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. They're, like, they're going to continue to face some really good quarterbacks. I'm not saying they're a good defense. We have, you know, solved that. Washington football team does not have this great juggernaut defense we expected. I will say, I don't think they are the worst defense like their rank in scoring uh, denotes them as. I think there's some more along a below average defense compared to a great one. Why do we care? I mean, compared to a terrible one. And that's just because they're ranked as the fourth worst defense of this week. So you could do worse there. Andrew, I think the pretty much shell we've got here now Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson, I I think it probably is Hurts, you know, after going through and seeing the guys we can get up to um, elsewhere. But we'll go with Jalen Hurts, a QB. Derrick Henry and Daryl Henderson, RB1, RB2. Devontae Adams and Rashad Bateman, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. Cole Komet at tight end. And from there, again, get one of those cheap defenses. And you got a lot of options with that final wide receiver spot and the flex. Miles Sanders, Sterling Shepard, you know, just a lot of guys around that stretch that I think make a lot of sense. So as always, 10 in to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Saturday morning, Friday night. And we will go through all the injuries that inevitably throw a big wrench in this sort of strategy we're talking through at this point in time. Let's talk tournaments now, Andrew. Trying to win the million dollars, trying to beat hundreds of thousands of other people. We got to get a little bit tricky here. What are you thinking at quarterback? Who are you trying to center some of these lineups around that? Hey, you know, why couldn't the overall point total start with a three? Let's get crazy. I mean, it's not it's not crazy because I just love Matthew Stafford in the spot against the Detroit Lions. I just think that it's, it's a really obvious spot. I mean, I even thought Stafford was... A good cash play honestly like you look at his numbers and he doesn't have a game this season where he scored less than 18 fantasy points so he's been super consistent despite the fact that he's not a mobile quarterback he's not really ru- he's not a rusher but i mean how do you see him failing in this match i mean the lions rank dead last in basically every efficiency metric for giving up to other quarterbacks so like their raw numbers aren't like necessarily that bad like if you look at like total touchdowns total passing yards it's it's not necessarily indi- indicative of how bad they are in defense it's all about the rate like passer rating dead last explosive pass play rate dead last yard per, yards per attempt dead last like I, I don't see how matthew stafford doesn't throw for at least four touchdowns in this game or throw for 300 yards so i i mean i love him in this spot again he's not the most popular quarterback on the slate because of lamar jackson and patrick mahomes like because there's a lot of good quarterbacks of the high tier that are priced up and in good spots i mean Kyler murray's playing the houston freaking texans like you think he's i mean he's gonna score fans points in that game too so i do think that matthew stafford might you know hover around that 10 percent ownership and i think that's fine in tournaments especially in like some small field stuff where you're just shooting for the ceiling it's really easy to obviously stack him with cooper cup i think that tyler higby is in a really good spot as well tight end i mean you can even play him with daryl henderson like i, I mean daryl henderson is involved in the past daryl henderson caught a touchdown last week 
Like that was a good combination between those two players. So Matthew Stafford as like a pay up quarterback, I still really like a lot. And I think that, you know, quarterback ownership is usually pretty flat across the board anyway. So I don't think you necessarily need to get off of him because, oh, well, he's super obvious. It's like, well, there's like a lot of good quarterback plays that you can play this week. And I think Stafford just, I mean, the implied team total is great. And Stafford has just been dynamite. And, and this is a game where, you know, you know, Sean McVay may want Stafford to be able to throw like six touchdowns against the Lions. Like, it's like, hey, man, just go have fun. Like, do whatever you want. Like, just blow them out. And we can see that. He could throw for 200 yards and like six touchdowns. So I want to be part of it. I don't want to miss out on Stafford this week. You got to have some pretty big balls to not stack Stafford with Cooper Cup. But I think <laughs> after that, you can like get a little quirky. You don't need to just go Cup and Woods. You can do Higby, as you said, who still has the every down usage. We just haven't quite seen him have that, you know, eight to nine target game where he gets a bunch of uh, success. And also, man, like if you're going to, again, this would be the situation to throw a dart at Van Jefferson or Deshaun Jackson. Lions are one of only four defenses to allow over 20 yards per pass attempt on passes thrown at least 20 yards uh, downfield this season. You know, we have our uh, J.D. McKissick even number week trend going. Don't look now, Andrew, but Deshaun Jackson is slowly making a name for himself on the odd number weeks. Had two catches in week one, 120 yards in his score in week three. And he has a 68-yard catch against the Seahawks um, on that Thursday night game a couple or back in week five. So, yeah, he's quiet. Until he's not, he's still out there for, you know, up to 20 uh, snaps a game. And, again, if there is going to be a time to get quirky, it is in these tournament settings. I would say, uh, and also you can loop that back around with Amon Ross St. Brown or DeAndre Swift on the other side. So I do like that call. I think that uh, Tom Brady and these pass catchers for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are always a solid um, you know, DraftKings tournament option. We can also loop that back around with Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, some of those guys I think we'll talk about a little bit later. We want to talk about usage going the right direction. Look at Allen Robinson uh, people. Most unrealized air yards in a week this year in week six. Hopefully we can get that turned around. But yeah, Brady, Godwin, Evans, Antonio Brown, you know, stack that to your heart's desire. And I just think at 7,700, people are probably going to be getting up to Mahomes or Kyler a little bit more than him. And honestly, same thing with Aaron Rodgers sitting there at 7,500. Like, we're just seeing this small tier in the mid 70. 500 range where why pay up more when you can get Lamar Jackson and all that rushing ability and yeah I would start Lamar over Brady and Rodgers in a season long league there's no reason why those guys can't outscore him in one week particularly against this Washington football team defense it is a little bit surprising to see Rodgers potentially going under the radar in a game at Lambeau against a defense that again I just got done talking about isn't quite as bad as we think but come on like what defense can't hold Rodgers under 303 tutties at home when everything is clicking right for him and if you want to talk about like legit quarterbacks we can stack with the running backs it'll be expensive but Rodgers Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams I think could be a fairly uh, high upside lineup that I don't think too many people are going to be actively going after in these sort of tournaments Finally, what about Joe Burrow here, Andrew? We've talked about Boyd a little bit. And if you look at the Bengals' pass game volume, they have started to throw the ball a little bit more often, even in neutral situations over the past few weeks. And one of the cooler stats I found during my week of research is how good Burrow has been against the Blitz this year. Six touchdowns, only one pick. He's one of seven quarterbacks averaging over 10 yards per attempt. I believe overall PFF passing grade, only Kyler Murray has been better against the Blitz. Baltimore Ravens just so happened to blitz at the third highest frequency in the league. So if we want to look at a potential, uh, you know, contrarian stack here, Andrew, Boyd, Burrow, 
maybe even Higgins and hope for once that Jamar Chase doesn't ball out. I'm not sure if that's possible, but hey, man, weird things have happened. Yeah, no, the trying to get away from Chase is, is so difficult. I mean, because he's just so efficient. Like, that yeah. that's his game. Like, you look at him in the expected fantasy points. Like, it's super, super low. It's like, oh, this guy can't keep this up. It's like, oh, no, it just means he's really, really good. Like, that, like that's literally what it's telling you. That's what the chart is telling you. It's not, oh, he's prime for regression. It's like, this is just his game. Like, he's just this elite deep ball threat that Joe Burrow did not have last year. He was throwing all these balls to A.J. Green last year, and now they're kind of finally converting because they're going to Jamar Chase. Uh, No, I agree. I think Joe Burrow makes a ton of sense. I think this game has a chance to be more fast-paced than people will give it credit. You know, Baltimore is a top 10 in terms of pace of play, and Cincinnati has increased their place per plays per game significantly over the last two weeks you know the first four weeks they were at 30 they were last they were dead last in the league they were just basically just giving the ball to joe mixon last two weeks if you exclude overtime they rank 17th so it's starting to increase and i know you mentioned the blitz statistics joe burrow is also really good against the coverages that the baltimore ravens run cover one cover three burrow is pff's highest graded quarterback against those schemes so I've gotten a lot of questions this week in season long about, oh, like, do I start Joe Burrow? And, and I, I get it because, you know, the Ravens shut down Justin Herbert last week. We were like, uh, we were expected that game to shoot out and it didn't. But I think Burrow has just shown us that, you know, he's a an every week start. Like, he's an efficient quarterback. And once you reach the point of this play, this guy is legit, like, you can't weigh defensive matchups really because it, it just doesn't matter. Like, all quarterbacks see the same opportunity for the most part. And it's really about, the efficiency that drives quarterback production in fantasy football, except for the the guys that pick up yards uh, with the ground. But I think Burrow is going to have an efficient passing game. I think this game could definitely shoot out. So I, I do like Burrow. And, and also, I mean, it's got to be Justin Fields. Like this, this has to be the week that he finds. I mean, everything is set up for him to have an above average passing game. You know, we finally saw him run last week. So 5,300, I'm not missing the Justin Fields breakout game when he's this cheap. So again, he's really easy to stack with bringing back Bucks players. We know exactly who the ball's going to. It's going to Allen Robinson, going to Mooney, going to Komet. Like, so Fields, I'm telling people to start Fields in, in season long leagues. It's I'm all in, I'm bear da- I'm bearing down, Ian. I'm bearing <laughs> down on these bears. So uh, pray for me, please. <laughs> Bear down, man. Well, we had that millionaire winner a couple years ago, like win the whole thing, and their name was Bears fan, and their entire lineup was full of Bears. Mitch Trubisky goes absolutely bonkers against against the the Buccaneers. Yeah, Yeah, must have been a hell of a Sunday for that, dude. That's for sure. Uh, Final point here on quarterback. Again, we're just trying to leverage away from what everyone else is doing in these tournaments. So when we look at our PFF rostership projections, who are the top four? Only four running backs with projected rostership over 15%. Aaron Jones, Daryl Henderson, Daryl Williams, and Derrick Henry. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is sneaking up on anyone this week, but Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, those could be good ways of, hey, still getting a good player in a good situation that all of a sudden people are sleeping on just a little bit more because so many of them are building their lineup around the running back when the passing game in reality probably has just a good of a chance of going off. Andrew. I appreciate one thing about you, especially today, and that is including my guy, Cordero Patterson, in GPPs as one of your preferred plays. With that said, though, man, I kind of like Mike Davis. Why not both of these Falcons running backs, though? Come on, because they are facing a Dolphins defense where, you know, I I guess I went before when we were talking about these matchups, like the Dolphins aren't the complete smash spot lions of the week or anything like that. But it's just one running back after another. Week one, 
Damon Harris finishes as the RB22. Week two, Devin Singletary, RB13. Zach Moss, RB11. We got an RB6 performance from Peyton Barber next week. Jonathan Taylor, RB10. Leonard Fournette and James Robinson ripped off top 14 finishes over the past two weeks. So the Dolphins, man, it's supposed to be a little bit rainy in Miami around kickoff. Keep an eye on those wind speeds as well. I just feel like if this team is as bad as they have looked over the past few weeks, maybe both CPAT and Mike Davis actually could make the most out of their probably 15 to 20 combined carries and targets each. I think, yeah, I think they're both strong plays. I listed them as, as both starts this week in the stardom sit column that I did. And the thing with Patterson is I just think that the field doesn't know what to do with him. And, and the reason I'm, I'm kind of going in the roster chip projection degree, you know, both these guys are at sub 5%. And I've been actually following, you know, now that I'm the, the props prophet, <laughs> I, I've been following these 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 player prop lines a little bit closer. Like I, I check them and kind of see like Cordell Patterson's line like moves up and down all the time because people like don't know how to approach his lines. Like people are just like like at first his like his rushing yards props at like 40, and then it's down to 30, now it's back up to 36. Like people don't know how to view Cordero Patterson because he's such a unicorn this season. You know, he's obviously not even saying that he's a running back. He's a football player. Like that's his position. He's a football player. He's bringing back to the Denard Robinson days when it was offensive weapon uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I just think CPAT, I'm going to ride the wave, man. Until like I see the Falcons get away from using him, yeah. like I'm going to believe that they're going to continue to use him. He had 21 touches the last time he hit the field. I know Ridley didn't play in that game. That probably had to do with the increase in touches. But I mean, the guy's target rate per route run is second to only Devontae Adams. Like when he's on the field, he gets the he gets the rock and he's explosive. So I I, I still think people are just gun shy on Patterson because like, oh, it's like not sustainable. Like we're afraid. It's like, oh, well, what if he comes out and like has like a 75% snap share and like plays full-time receiver and plays running back at the same time? Like, are they going to put Russell Gage back on the field? Like really? I, I think that there's a lot to gain, and especially because the matchup is so good um, against Miami Dolphins. So I think this game, you know, has a chance to a sneaky shootout. And CPAD is, is a guy that's just being underlooked. And I mean, what? He's a top five running back or top 10 running back, and he has air yard has bye week. <laughs> Like you said, sub 5%, you know, you can talk yourself certainly into anyone that is that talented in a good matchup projected for double-digit carries and targets. I do think Gage and Ridley are going to cut down on Patterson's uh, true receiver usage, but, like, I don't know if that's necessarily even going to hurt his overall touch count when it's all said and done. So, good points there. Michael Carter, I do think, is someone where, hey, you know, we saw this. It's not... Doesn't work all the time. It happened last year, kind of, where DeAndre Swift came back from his bye, had a really big game against the Jaguars, and then we kept expecting the same thing to happen for Gibson, for Taylor. The idea that an offense will more fully go to the rookie running back following a bye, I think it makes sense, and we do see examples of it. It's just not a guarantee. So Michael Carter is, I think, the single cheapest running back. Um, where is he priced at? Yeah, 4,800. 48. Yeah, single cheapest starting running back, and that should mean something. So, no, I I don't think the Zach Wilson and the Jets implied for 17.75 points this week. Last time I checked, they're going to have too much success against the Patriots. But if there is someone to roster on the Jets side of things, it is certainly him. Andrew, I got a trio of running backs, though, in the mid-5K range. We talked about Mike Davis a little bit already and his touch counts. Truly one of the only players in the league this year with 15 touches in every single game he's played in. We got Damian Harris, 5.7K. As the bell cow, man, like, I don't, what is it with Ramondre Stevenson that people are waiting for? Like, the breakout would have happened last week. It would have happened when Harris was playing more banged up with the chest and rib injuries. And I think it would have happened after Harris was coming off his second 
pretty much backbreaking fumble of the year, which occurred in week five. So yeah, I saw Stevenson. He got the goal line touchdown when Harris hobbled off. Harris came back in overtime. He remains the guy that's going to see 20 touches. If you're just by a get-in and you have nowhere else to turn, okay, maybe you can put Stevenson in there and hope he makes the most out of like six to eight touches. But the idea that Harris is anything other than the bell cow of really this entire offense, that's the part I don't get. He turned in a reasonably well enough performance when they played in week two, had that beast mode touchdown run of like 30 yards where he carried like three guys into the end zone. Uh, I just think that, again, this spot, league's single worst defense in PPR points per game allowed to running backs is the New York Jets. I do think Damon Harris presents some upside. And how about $100 cheaper? Man, it's, it's going to sound scary to say, Andrew, but James Conner at 5.6K. We're a double-digit home favorite. We just saw what happened last week when they get up right now with Chase Edmonds dealing with a shoulder injury. He'll, he'll play. He'll start. He'll get some good receiving stuff, but they are not going to give him more touches than he needs. So James Conner is in one of the highest implied scoring offenses of the week, seemingly going pretty far under the radar. I know our roster ship stuff has him at 10.8. I've seen a little bit lower across the uh, industry, but if there is a week to ever get behind Damon Harris and James Conner, Andrew, it's one they're set up in these sort of brilliant situations as a touchdown or more home favorite. I think that makes a ton of sense. It sucks that we're seeing Chase Edmonds and, and James Conner at the same price. They're both at 5.6K, and I almost feel like I, I want to, I just want to play who like is less rostered. Like that's yeah. kind of the guy I want to go towards and just try to, because yeah, it makes perfect sense logically that it would be a James Conner week. You know, the Cardinals get up big, they give him the ball. I mean, Chase Edmonds barely played in the second half. Of last week's game because they were just in cruise control and they didn't need to, to test him but i also know like james connor is tied with tony pollard for the lead in yards per carry this year at 6.0 so i know that he could literally touch the ball 10 times and rush for over 100 yards and three touchdowns like I, I know that's in i know edmonds has that in his range of outcomes especially against the texans so i think yeah it's really important to get exposure to both of these cardinals running backs i mean you got to get some exposure to the cardinals in some way shape or form like they're going to score 30 points against yeah. the texans so you got to figure out again the only way you're safe is if it's just so flat across the board and no one actually does well because it's so evenly spread out like that's kind of what you're hoping for if you're trying to fade Arizona but I mean the running backs just seem like they're going to have just such productive days yeah, I mean, already this year, Connor has had games with 16 carries in week one, 18 carries in week four, 16 in week six. They just feed him the ball. They do it at the goal line, regardless of what the score is. But when they get up, they just keep on pounding this guy. And again, if we can get 15 to 20 touches as a massive home favorite in a great offense, like just if you just removed everything you knew about James Connor and you were just looking at these like price tags and usage projections as like player one, player two, player three, I think people will be a lot higher on James Conner than they are right now. Andrew, happy Robbie Anderson week. Is this it? Is this finally the time when we get it? 4.8K. He's been top 11 wide receivers in air yards and targets ever since the squeaky wheel started needing that grease three weeks ago. Terrence Marshall, I didn't see his practice participation on Wednesday. I think he might still be in the concussion protocol. Either way, man, there's no McCaffrey coming back. Okay, he did sit out Wednesday, so that's even more condensed target share. We're coming off the drops. We still know Robbie is a good guy. Come on, man. Why can't this be the week with James Bradbury and company paying more attention to DJ Moore anyway? I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out on Robbie. I played Robbie why? last week. I played well, him last why? week. That's not a reason not to play him this week. You know that? <laughs> I played him the last three weeks when ah. he was a squeaky wheel. When he saw tar I mean, that's the thing. Like, he, It'd be one thing if he wasn't seeing like opportunities, <laughs> but he is, and he's just not... He's not been efficient. He's PFF's worst grade wide receiver this year. 
Worst graded wide receiver with 20 targets is Robbie Anderson. And again, yeah, the drops have been a big issue, but it's been more than that. He just hasn't been efficient on a per-target basis. Like, he's not getting... Like, I just have a lot of reservations about Robbie Anderson. I just... It's different from, like, when Brandon Cooks, like, put up that goose egg and then he immediately, like, bounced back. It's like, this is a constant thing. Like, he's been bad all year long with Sam Darnold. Like, I just don't know if that's going to change. I really think that targets are just going to concentrate more on DJ Moore. Like, that's kind of really my take on how this Carolina Panthers offense is going to to operate. And I also think that they're going to try to run the football more. I mean, Matt Rule already come out and said, like, we need to reestablish the run game with Chuba Hubbard. I think Hubbard's actually really interesting in this game. And I think it's going to be the DJ Moore show. Maybe they get the tight ends more involved. But I can't imagine that they go back and review the tape and be like, yeah, we got to get the ball Rob. We got to get the ball to Robbie more. It's like they've been doing that the last three weeks and they've lost the last three games. Like, that's the issue. So uh, I'm out. I'm Robbie, unfortunately. Well, that's just like your opinion, <laughs> man, uh, going on with that. Yeah, it wasn't good last week. You know who else dropped three balls, though? DJ Moore. And I yes. know DJ did make a little bit better use out of it. I guess, you know, it doesn't matter whose fault it is if we're not getting the yards, we're not getting the yards, and that is that. But if you just look at air yards, make completions that were the quarterback's fault, good old prayer yards, both DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are in the top five. So, yeah, Sam Darnold kind of has a turn back into a pumpkin. Uh, funny how that works. <laughs> couple other guys I do like in the 5k range Corey Davis at 5.2k he's just the epitome of a boomer bust tournament receiver he has two finishes as a top 12 receiver this year his other three I believe he ranked outside the top 50 so if you have Corey Davis in your lineup you're either feeling fantastic about it when the game's over or like shit but first or last should kind of be our general mentality in tournaments as it is and I think Davis does reflect that and similar things with Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith like give me those guys that have just the potential to rack up 200 250 air yards in the best case scenario over Sterling Shepard, Jacoby Myers, who are fine in cash and that's not a problem. I know that they have the higher target ceiling and the higher floor, but I want the ceiling. I want the freaking Henry Ruggs comes down with all three of his deep ball targets. Not Jacoby Myers hopefully scores the first touchdown of his freaking life seemingly at this point. So Ruggs and Smith are right there. Finally, Andrew, last guy I want to go on before I throw it over to you. Terry McLaurin, 6.9K, facing a Green Bay Packers secondary, still without their two starting cornerbacks in Jair Alexander and Kevin King. We can argue if having Kevin King out there would be better, but either way, don't have Jair. And the only players with 50-plus targets since week two, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and DJ Moore. I feel like Terry is getting penalized for having the late week hamstring thing when you look at what happened last week and he really didn't, I know he didn't have the best game, but like watching it, if you didn't tell me before that he had a hamstring issue, I don't know that I would have noticed. He played 95% of the offensive snaps. He had eight targets. Like there was absolutely zero reduction in his playing time. And again, I think the eye test told me that he's pretty good. And we even saw, I believe it was Ron Rivera himself, talk about how they were just being more careful with Terry than anything. And it wasn't quite as big of a deal as everyone made it out to be so only players with at least 50 targets since week two Devontae Adams Cooper Cup DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin so don't sleep on him at 6.9k I understand you're not building you know your entire lineup around him but everyone wants to get up 200 more bucks to DJ Moore or go down 300 to Calvin Ridley I think McLaurin out of those guys might just have the best matchup and the higher target ceiling are you in on Terry Andrew come on yeah, he makes a lot of sense. It's really been like him, OBJ, Allen Robinson. Like they've all had just really bad quarterback play the last couple of weeks. Like Heineke's just not hitting him like he was like a little bit during the beginning of the season. And like 
of course it's you rather this is why we like Fitzpatrick that was like the move behind McLaurin it's like all these guys we expected to have the best quarterbacks that the best quarterback play ever just like did not pan out they all just still have terrible quarterback play and it's just they're not overcoming it because it's hard to do like we almost take it for granted that Al Robinson can just overcome any quarterback and McLaurin can just overcome every any quarterback and I guess I think you made up this point when we talked in the offseason that you know maybe they were just kind of running pure and you know they were just so all the contested catches it's just not something that's really sustainable and, and that's kind of what we're kind of seeing now a little bit with some of these guys not producing as often as we expect them to so no but i mean it makes sense with the matchup against the packers they're gonna have to throw and the packers don't have you know really that much in their secondary so i think the skinny stack mclaurin Devontae adams makes a ton of sense um in tournaments for me i mean aj brown is not getting a lot of buzz i know that chipotle hates him now they, they're not <laughs> a fan of aj brown anymore which honestly i can't i don't just dis, i don't disagree like i don't disagree man um but i mean 31 percent target shares to coming back from the injury and he gets the kansas city chiefs like we know derrick henry's chalk and we know the chiefs are going to be chalk and this is the guy that you want to play in that matchup like we know he's an alpha wide receiver don't know what Julio Jones, what his status is going to be. So we know the targets are going to AJ Brown. Like eventually Derek Henry's not gonna be able to score all the touchdowns. Like eventually. I think that the other players will have the score at some point. So an AJ Brown Ryan Tannehill stack makes a lot of sense if you don't play Derek Henry. You can play Derek Henry in that lineup too, but if you really want to capitalize on the Derek Henry chalk, I think AJ Brown and Ryan Tannehill makes a lot of sense um from a roster uh construction. Uh Chris Godwin is kind of fallen to the wayside like he's cheaper than Antonio Brown and Mike Evans now but I think the matchup actually favors him the yep. most um we look at the Chicago Bears slot funnel defense a lot of the third most receiving yards to slot wide receivers I mean Chris Godwin's still seeing like pretty good usage he still has a lot of end zone targets he just hasn't really catch he hasn't caught any touchdowns like that's has been his issue like he has not capitalized and we know he's a guy that can score three touchdowns like that like I'm not concerned about him so 5900 Chris Godwin like a guy that has been a top two fantasy wide receiver this cheap under 6k I, I want to play a guy that's that's priced down there and then I mean we've already talked yeah, about uh, and just real quick on Godwin I think that's a great call we should be seeing I think Jalen Johnson who has really been making guys work for it in his shadow covers this year will probably be on Mike Evans and yeah teams just really have been fine attacking the Bears um, over the middle time and time again or, yeah and the way they use Goblin man he, like, he can get these jet sweeps randomly he'll get these kind of cool design plays for him around the goal line because of where they line him up as I mean I saw someone replied to uh, one of my tweets about it saying he's like the modern day Heinz Ward which I thought was a great comp because he does so much for this offense this year Chris Goblin has lined up as a blocking inline tight end for nine snaps Mike Desicki has done that four times Give Chris Godwin tight end eligibility oh, or we riot. It's not any more ridiculous than it is with Mike Jasicki having it, but okay, continue, Andrew. That would that would be epic. Just slide Chris Godwin to the tight end slot. Oh, it's man. not any different than freaking Jasicki. Like, he should not be invited to National Tight End Day, man. 16 snaps as a tight end this year, 234 as a wide receiver. Like, you can call him a very good football player, but I take offense to it when you call him a tight end, and that's my final argument about that. Uh, Calvin Ridley. I do want to mention him. I know that it's, it's been a while since we've seen Calvin Ridley. We're like, he's he's on the milk cart. And we're like, Calvin Ridley, where are you? You know, he missed the last game they played. They had their bye week. But, I mean, he still leads the team in air yards and targets despite missing a game. His peripherals are really great. Top 10 target rate per route run. Fourth and expected fantasy points per game. And Matt Ryan's starting to play better. Like, Matt Ryan, they're starting to have him throw the ball downfield. Like, 
the first half of the season, in the first three weeks, he was basically just check down king. Like, that's all he was doing. We just throwing it to Mike Davis, like, constantly. Like, guys, like, this is, <laughs> this is not going to work as an efficient offense. So, with Kyle Pitts now kind of, like, stepping up and now making it so defenses just can't focus on taking Calvin Ridley away. Like, I like him in this spot against the Miami Dolphins. And I think that, you know, Rashad Bates, this is something that I would shout out to uh, Jared Evans. Uh, Nico Collins, I think, is the perfect pivot off of Rashad Bateman chalk. Because when you look at the way that both of them are used last week, so both rookies coming off of an injury, I know Nico Collins played a little bit earlier in the season and got hurt, but they were basically saw identical usage. Both saw six targets, both ran the same amount of routes per drop back in their offenses. And I mean, Nico Collins is $200 cheaper and has 1% roster ship, whereas Bateman has 14%. And I think Bateman makes a lot of sense from a process standpoint. Like he may, but he's also like a wide receiver, the, the third pass catching option potentially on a team that likes to run the football. I know they've been throwing a little bit more, but I mean, it would surprise no one if Rashad Bateman literally did nothing. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense to gain some leverage on an offense that we know Houston has to throw the ball. And they know that they're going to try to take away Brandon Cook. So if you go on the other side, Nico Collins supplanted Chris Conley as the clear number two wide receiver on the Houston Texans. So we know Arizona doesn't really have like great cornerbacks. I mean, their defense has been okay, but they're better like uh, up front than in their secondary. So, I mean, Nico Collins is really interesting. And Jared Evans, me and I, me and him talked about it. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense that off of getting off of Rashad Bateman. I know that this is also a pro Nico Collins podcast as well. <laughs> well, I was gonna, and I was going to say like when Jared brings up Nico Collins, I was instantly like, okay, hold on. It's like when you bring up uh, Deontay Harris, but <laughs> When you brought up Deontay a couple of weeks ago, you had a bunch of good reasons to also go with it. Not just, I like my guy Deontay, Jared, with Nico. Yeah, be a fan of the guy. And when you're a fan of the guy and he actually is cheap, a nice pivot, week off the injury, we've verified that he does still have, you know, his full-time role. Yeah, I do think Nico Collins is a great pivot off of Rashad Bateman down the way. Love that call from you, Jared, whoever the hell came up with it from the beginning. <laughs> Quickly at tight end, again, I do think Ryan Griffin, if you just want to get disgusting at 2.5K, is probably the cheapest. It is literally the cheapest you can go and the only guy that I would sprinkle into even a lineup or two. Mike Jasicki, as much as I hate his positional designation, is only 4.7K. Just make sure that Devontae Parker remains out. I mean, one of my biggest misses right now in, you know, just what happened in August compared to now is Mike Jasicki because I thought, hey, here's the guy that plays wide receiver. They added Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller. Seems like it's going to be tough for him to produce in that room. Well, you take away two of the starting three wide receivers and all of a sudden the wide receiver we call a tight end does start producing. So I'll take my O there and we'll try and make some money off it because at 4.7K as the you know number one or number two pass game option in this offense, that is certainly too cheap, but it's going to be hard to really get up to Jasicki because why not just take Dallas Goddard at 4.6K. Should be at least a thousand more, Andrew. I mean, this is like last week, I think, when we were looking at like Mark Andrews and Hawkinson, some of these guys just going like they are not going to be this cheap for much longer. So I think Goddard is the screaming, screaming value right there at 4.6K, where, you know, we got to see if he's going to be just the most chalky guy in the world. Then we got to consider pivoting. But for those that don't want to go all the way up to Kelsey or Waller at 4.6K, I think Goddard gives you the most upside per dollar. Agreed. I think the matchup is good. Raiders have been the worst team against tight ends over the last four weeks. So I think that sets up really nice. Again, maybe people are just not sure like what his role will be. I mean, he was on the COVID list, so maybe things change in terms of his roster projection. But I mean, 
we saw Zach Ertz get like elite fantasy usage without Goddard playing. So I would assume that we're going to see the same thing just in reverse with Goddard getting that usage. So I think that Goddard, you know, just a simple stack, even in tournament hurts and Goddard, that's all you need to do, you know, bring it back with the rugs or something like that. So I, I like the Eagles plays there. Uh, and the only other tight end I'll mention is just Kyle Pitts. I think it's really, I think it's sticker shock. I think that's kind of the thing. He's up to 5,900, but I mean, if you look at his, usage it's the same as all those other titans that are priced above him of as mark andrews as a darren waller as a travis kelsey now yeah i get he's not as established as those guys as a rookie tight end but we saw the breakout game we, we finally saw him kind of put it all together now okay calvin really didn't play in that game so maybe that's why people are not as interested but i think it makes a lot of sense if you're going to double stack matt ryan who you know you can double stack you know exactly who to do it with it's kyle pitts and calvin ridley like those are the guys that you combine him with maybe you sprinkle in some some cpat in there as well but i think kyle pitts makes a lot of sense i mean he's at two percent roster ship and i mean we know he has slate breaking upside and right now we really haven't seen it from a lot of the tight ends like kelsey's kind of been like He's been okay. Darren Waller really hasn't had a big week since week one when he had like 20 targets. <laughs> and he's kind of just seen like seven ever since then. Mark Andrews has obviously been good, but I think Pitts is cheaper than all those guys and his usage warrants him probably being higher priced with those other players. And I don't think we mentioned while we're talking about this Falcons passing game that the Dolphins maybe have the single best pair of cornerbacks when they're healthy and playing, right? Both were out last week, so make sure you keep an eye on Byron Jones and Xavier Howard because if they're both out again, good luck guarding Calvin Ridley. Uh, one of the things I reference a lot on this podcast are expected points, just you know, removing the production from the equation where we expect these players to be ranking based on the nature of their targets. And when you take fancy points and subtract that from the expected points, you can see guys that might be due for a little thing called regression. Top two receivers that are tied for first, only guys above uh, 21.3 expected fancy points andrew calvin ridley and robbie anderson so <laughs> one of those has, is not like the other yeah yeah we'll see we'll <laughs> see like it, it was funny uh, rich rebar uh love rich he's been on this pod several times does great things over at um with, with warren sharp and, and their gig but i uh sent out a tweet about robbie anderson rich was like you know sometimes it's just like it's your turn to take on that this is the robbie anderson week at some point you know i'll be he'll bust this week another fantasy analyst and week eight will say this is the week for robbie anderson and someone's going to be right eventually and they will be the robbie anderson king but enough of that andrew we've buried the lead enough you are seven and two on your prize point prop pits prop picks i got kyle pitts in my mind now uh good point there one Last week on Joe Burrow passing yards over. I like the Damian Williams under call. Obviously, he got COVID and did not end up suiting up in that game, though. So what do you got for the people this week? Prop profit. The floor is yours. Yeah, so I've got a couple ones up. So my first one is going to be over on Jameis Winston, 215 passing yards. He's facing the Seattle Seahawks, who have allowed over 225 passing yards to every single quarterback that they have faced so far this year. Uh, we started to see... Jameis Winston throw the ball downfield a little bit more in the last couple of weeks. I know that the first like three games was literally just like hand the ball off to Alvin Kamara like every single play. And I don't think that this game is going to be, you know, high scoring whatsoever. It definitely looks more like a slog on Monday Night Football than anything else. So you maybe go to bed early. But I mean, 215 passing yards is, is not a high number to get to. So Winston's done it the last two weeks. And I mean, he's throwing the ball deep. Like that's the thing that they are bringing back into this offense. He's chucking the ball deep downfield. He's got Deontay Harris. He's got Marquez Callaway, some downfield weapons. So, and the Seahawks can't cover. So I think that Jameis Winston over 215 passing yards makes a ton of sense and then because you got to go you got to live the under life you can't just take overs on everything even though that's more fun uh <laughs> under on nelson Aguilar, 
three receptions. Yes, I'm going against my own Patriots. Wow. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is right near Robbie Anderson in terms of uh, worst-graded wide receivers this year. He's down there near the bottom. Um, I mean, the drops are there. He's just not involved in this offense. Like, he's not getting targeted by Mac Jones. They're, they're not throwing that much anyway. And, like, like for him to see – I mean, I don't even know if he's going to see three targets in this game, let alone right. catch three of them. I mean, he has to catch four of them uh, to hit the over on his three receptions. So, I think Aguilar under under three. I mean, yeah, these aren't, like, the sexiest names. But, hey, like, this is where you find value. Like, you look at these players that these lines line up, Aguilar three, I'm like, that's too high. Like, for a guy that literally – I think I caught zero passes last week, uh, Nelson Aguilar under three receptions. Robbie just continuing to catch strays from you even <laughs> as we get to the final minutes of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. It's a great point on Aguilar. When I was doing my weekly wide receiver cornerback article, which you can find on PFF.com, yeah, like last week was the first time he didn't technically get the start. And his snaps last four weeks, 81%, 73%, 67%, season low, 59%. So Aguilar, use is going down. Yes, please take the under on three receptions. I mean, he's beaten that once all year. I don't see any reason why week seven is going to be the time for everything to come together. Certainly thinking that's going to be more of a Damian Harris game. So that is going to be it, people. Under Nelson Aguilar, three receptions. Over Jameis Winston, 215 passing yards. You heard it from the prop profit yourself. Andrew, great stuff today, my friend. Anything else you want to go off your chest? Um, I just need to ask you, Ian, about this $5,000 price Rams DST. Oh I forgot to mention that. Dude, it's five thousand like how much like I don't know, like do you like pay up for that in any scenario? Like again, they're not gonna be hot popular because they're so expensive, but like the Cardinals are thirty one hundred and they're playing Davis Mills. Like they like the DraftKings salary is so buying into the revenge game narrative. Like Jared Goff is better than Davis Mills. Like Right. Just, I don't it's I mean mind boggling. Like Goff has had some bad sack in, but he's not like the quarterback, you nest, you feel fine if your defense is facing Jared Goff, but like, think about it. We don't like when you pick a fancy defense, you aren't necessarily trying to pick against the team that's going to score the least amount of points because we get the most fancy points on defense from defenses that are, you know, creating, wreaking havoc, getting sacks, interceptions. Goff hasn't thrown more than one interception in a game this year. He's lost some fumbles, and but you know, he's had last week, he only took one sack, he only took one sack against the Packers, a couple four sacks games in there. No, I, I can't rationalize paying that far up. I mean, the thing I always go back to, man, again, we just want the ones that are going to be facing more of a turnover uh, prone quarterback. I go back to that 54 to 51 game when the Rams defense finished like the week as a top five unit, even though they gave up 51 points to Patrick Mahomes, because Mahomes can be someone that does take a few more chances. So Goff, like I think when Aaron Donald's rushing down on Goff, he's not trying to be a hero. He's not doing things that would cause the turnovers in the first place. He's just throwing the ball, you know, 20 yards short of the sticks and not doing anything for his offense. So. Who do you think is uh, priced higher, Jared Goff or the Rams defense? Oh my God! Is it actually the Rams defense? <laughs> They're the same price. Oh my gosh, that would have been too funny. DraftKings does this stuff sometimes. I I wish they would really go all in on the trolls. Dude, someone needs to show this to Jared Goff and be like, "Dude, your price is the defense you're facing this week. Come on, man, get it together. Let's go revenge game. Come on, people." 
If you've liked what you've heard, if you want to go use some of these DFS tools for yourself, lineup optimizer, DFS roster ship projections, just want to read certain pieces like Andrew's weekly DFS breakdown that is behind a paywall. All you got to do is use code FANTASY for 25% off any PFF subscription. Again, you're getting all the locked article content, projections, rankings, betting dashboard, strength for schedule. I can guarantee you, you will find your money's worth in under a month if all you do is use code FANTASY again for 25% off any PFF subscription. Support the pod, support Andrew, support me, support your wallet by using promo code FANTASY for 25% off any sub. And also NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win this game, win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, it's that simple. And just as, you know, some super sharp advice to give you, should probably pick, you know, one of these two touchdown home favorites like the Cardinals or like the Rams if you want to go ahead and take advantage of this offer. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restriction supply. See DraftKings.com. slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And also, whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western and Southern is teaming up with PFS' very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both, and every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a catered party for February's big game. Check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast and Western and Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash ask chris one more time that is westernsouthern.com slash ask chris if you're watching on youtube check out the link in the description below remember with western southern you can rest assured on game day Finally, it's football season. You know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show. Manscaped, Blitzing Through Hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code PFF at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Three and out the window with all other trimmers. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the promo code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Everyone, we'll be back with an injury breakdown before the games on Sunday. And also, if you want some start sit advice, you can go reach out to myself or Andrew Erickson on the old Twitter sphere. We'll do our best to get all your questions answered. So for Andrew, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody.